You are listening to Sejura Decoding Law Podcast. I am Genevieve Dubois, the Chief Marketing and Innovation Officer of Sejura. And I am Phyllis Schuster, the Chief Team Intelligence Officer of Sejura. And, and we, we are, are lawyers. Together, we will decode the secrets of legal services so that you, as a business owner, know how to use legal services to your advantage. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to 2023. I know it's April. This is our first episode in 2023. We're very excited about today's topic. And we actually going to spend a little time explore a very hot topic nowadays, ChatGPT, which is a generative AI. And how does it work with legal services? And what does the future look like? So um, let's get started. So my name is Genevieve Dubois. I'm the CMIO of Sejura, that's Chief Marketing and Innovation Officer. And today with me, my partner, Phyllis Schuster. Hi, Phyllis. Hi, Genevieve. I'm the Chief Team Intelligence Officer and Executive Legal Director of Sejura. Welcome and welcome to 2023. And we're very excited today. We have our co-founder joining us today as well. And he is very on top of, you know, prop tech and legal tech. So we're very honored to have him spend some time with us exploring this very important topic. And you guys um, have already heard his voice before. And here's Tony Alfonso. Hi, Tony. Hey, Genev. Hey, Phyllis. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm Tony Alfonso. I'm a partner at Reed Smith, a global law firm. I'm also co-founder of Sejura, and I'm the strategic alliance architect. I coordinate the legal services that Sejura needs through big law like Reed Smith. That's right. And so what we want to do in the first episode of this topic, just like before last year, if you guys have heard our podcast before, is that in each of the topics, the first week, we will be talking about how that topic in rel- in relationship to clients. And the second episode on the same topic, we'll talk about how this is going to impact lawyers. Um, so the same thing on this episode, we're focusing on how is generative AI, that means like a chat GPT, what affects the legal services for the clients. So... The first thing I think we need to um, really talk about is what is generative AI like a chat GPT? Um, so maybe Tony, you can get us started. Um, just give us a definition and kind of like a little introduction of what's, what is chat GPT and, and generative AI? Sure. So generative AI is a, is, it's been around for a while, but it's come through a, a lot of breakthroughs in the last few months with, with kind of like the more wider release of chat GPT. So basically generative AI, um, is a natural language processing model that gives computers the ability to generate human-like responses to natural language questions. So this is a little different. I think most people think of AI as like these thinking machines that like the Terminator that are going to like take over society one day. So that this is much different than that. Generative AI basically um, is trained on 
a set of information which constitutes basically all of the internet and social media to provide its responses. And how it kind of works is if when you ask it a question, it analyzes all the information on the internet and social media, and then through its algorithm comes up with probabilities of what the response would be based on the information. And it does it basically almost word for word. And it just keeps analyzing what the probability of the next word would be. So to, to generate a response to your question. So that's kind of like the basics of how it works. So it basically just generates information and analyzes the, the, the data it's trained on to give you the response that seems like you're talking to a human-like computer. And the one thing that I think we wanted to uh, make it clear, at least from my understanding perspective, is ChatGPT actually is not real-time looking for information. They actually absorb information up to certain dates. Basically, the creator of ChatGPT fed, you know, the system, uh, the AI, a bunch of information up to certain dates. And then, um, so whatever you ask ChatGPT, the sources of the information is not real-time that they go out there and search. Where Bing AI um, that coming out, they're actually going out in real time on the internet and search for real time information. So that's a factor that I just wanted to to put it out there. Yeah, I think that, that that's very important, Genev. Uh, and and also it's also important to note we really don't have a lot of insight on Chat, chat GBT exactly where the how the algorithm works. It's called like a, it's in a black box. So. Um, we just have a, a general idea of what information it's looking at and it's not in real time. So Tony, why do people want to use any one of these forms of generative AI? Um, that's a great question. I think it's, it's definitely proven out that interacting with the computer in such a way and it's giving you responses that seems to be authoritative. It's definitely something that people view as being able to just make their daily lives easier, giving them information on general topics, helping them create emails, helping them create memos, helping them review information and just asking questions. It spits out an answer, regardless of whether that answer is right or not. I think psychologically, it seems like a, a really helpful tool to help everybody get what they want to get done quicker. I mean, we've been introduced. I mean, the, the general public's interaction with AI has been pretty limited to probably like whatever um, phone platform we've had, whether it's Amazon with Alexa or iPhone with Siri. And that's kind of like been the general consensus that hasn't really given users, I think, the experience they, they really want in the end. And I think ChatGPT has kind of kind of taken to a little bit to the next level because how it operates, it seems like it's giving you true answers to questions. And we can go, we can go dive into that and really what what that means later on in the episode. But I do think the reason is is because it, it seems like it's a helpful tool to get things done quicker. I think it's the same mentality if we all recall when we were younger in elementary school or middle school, right? Our, our teacher asked us to read a bunch of stuff and summarize it or put down our thoughts. What's the first thing we want to do? We wanted to ask our friends who have digested information, hey, can I look at your summary? Because it, it saved a lot of our time. And, and basically, when I went on to ChatGPT and asked specific questions to test it out, that's exactly the mentality I see like, oh, wow, it's like my friend sitting next desk, the desk next to me, 
basically show me what he has read and how he analyzed it and, and, and summarize it. And I don't have to do all the work. It's great. So I think that is, that's the mentality, you know, I, I think all of us have is, um, and in ChatGPT just legitimize the approach um, that when we were little, that was wrong. You need to read everything. You need to do it yourself. And now like kids, um, a lot of complaints about students go on ChatGPT and basically have ChatGPT wrote all the essays for them. Um, you know, it's just, I think it's that that's the mentality why people use it. So that's how it's being used by people or starting to be used by people since it's relatively new for all of us. I think we've all gotten used to asking our phones questions and, and that sort of changed in, in, in a limited way by doing an internet search. So it sounds like this is like an intended to be an expansion in the general world and the general public. But I'm questioning, and I think Tony's a really good person to ask this to, how law firms are thinking about using uh, generative AI. So Tony, what do you think? Just to go back on the expansion part of it, I actually just want to just clarify because I think it's an important point. It's not really an expansion. It's actually like a contraction in a certain way because right now we can go on the internet and go on Google or whatever search engineers and even Bing and ask it a question and the algorithm, the search algorithm gives us you know, numerate more, more results than we can actually go through. Um, and in that, in that instance, then we can go through and kind of like judge for ourselves, the authority of the information that's being given to us and what we want to use and what we don't. I think, I, I think Jev, Genev's, um, you know, example is, is quite astute because it is, when we get all these search, these results in the search engine, it's like, well, I have to go read all these things and kind of determine for myself. What ChatGPT does functionally is to reduce the search to just an answer. So I think just by saying that, you can see what the potential issues could be, because although it's much more efficient, now you're in a point where you're not judging how the response is being given to you for yourself. And that's going to be kind of one of the key critical issues in determining how useful like generative AI is. So um, to answer your question about how law firms are using it, I think it just goes to, I think, the initial reaction. There's been um, generative AI companies that are developing um, chat GPT type um, models that are focused on serving law firms, which um, presumably would somehow constrain the information that the um, that the actual AI is being trained on to, to focus on legal things. But I think from a general sense, they're using it for composing, from what I've read, they're using it from composing emails to composing memos to just starting like basic case research. And in doing all the things, I think you would think maybe that a younger or less experienced attorney would be focused on and in getting initial drafts of documents done, gathering information, analyzing large sets of data and producing, like Jeanette said, like a summary. So I think uh, on, on the law firms currently are focused, like looking internally and seeing how they can use these types of, you know, technologies to make their lawyers more efficient and able to analyze um, larger sets of data and produce quicker results. And I think that, you know, our audience, um, especially business owners, um, start thinking about, hey, if law firms are using generative AI and helping them draft memos for me, then why do I need law firms? I would just go to the generative AI and draft memos for me, 
right? And and that is an extensive uh, topic that we're going to explore in our next episode. How this, um, you know, generate AI really affect the whole legal services and what does it mean to lawyers and law firms? But in this episode, I want to focus on you, who is the business owners and, and individuals in terms of legal services. All right, I think that... Um, to really illustrate this, uh, maybe we'll ask Chat GPT, what do we need to concern about when we using Chat GPT? Uh, Phyllis, you want to share the result from Chat GPT? So this is what Chat GPT says about the need and why we should be concerned about Chat GTP. As an AI language model, Chat GTP can provide a lot of useful information and insights on a wide range of topics. But what ChatGP tells us is that there are things that we have to keep in mind when we use ChatGPT. So the first thing they talk about is accuracy. Um, they pretty much says, while well, it's been trained on a, all sorts of things, there may be errors in the information it provides. So they recommend that you cross-check and do things like that to make sure that you can ensure accuracy. So, Geneva, the next thing in addition to the concerns besides accuracy is bias. So it's based upon the data. So the information you get when you put, put a query in, it's based upon the data, but it's, it's based upon inherent biases of however that information was put in. So you have to be careful. And I actually, I think this is a great point, um, Tony. I know when you and I talked before, we essentially talked about this. I think a lot of people's view, like I'm asking a machine, so the machine would be very objective. They're not humans. So they'll give me a very objective answer. And Tony, what do you think about that position? The computer doesn't have objectivity, objectivity one way or the other. I think ultimately, if the information that it's given has some type of an internal bias, then ChatGPT is going to have the same bias because it's only going to be able to provide an answer based on the information it's trained on. And real quick, I want to go back to the accuracy because it's interesting how the, the, the how its response relates to the accuracy being focused on the inaccuracy. If it's inaccurate, it means that the information that it looked at was inaccurate. And I think that's somewhat of a, a misnomer because, I mean, what ChatGPT is doing is taking the information and then re, that's what genera- generation means. It's taking it and reorganizing or summarizing in a way based on its algorithm. So I, I do think we have to worry about accuracy, but not only the accuracy of the information, but the accuracy of how ChatGPT is putting it together in response to your question. So the bias, I, I, I you know, there are issues with the fact that it doesn't have the human kind of empathy or understanding of there's, there's nuances in our language. Language is not black and white. It's not math. It's not numbers. So there's an inherent context to every sentence that we say as human beings. And that is something that ChatGPT and AI currently as it's developed has no understanding of. So it's just producing information through its algorithm without any understanding of the context, which I think is probably one of the biggest issues um, that we have to face and just judging the information and the responses it's giving. Yep. Good point. Okay, Phyllis, continue. Okay. So Tony took care of one of the issues is context. So one of the items that chat GPT is concerned about is privacy. And that's 
When using ChatGPT, be careful not to share any sensitive or personal information that could be used to identify you. ChatGPT is a machine learning model, and while it doesn't have malicious intent, it may not understand the implications of certain types of information. So I think everyone is concerned about privacy, so I know that that's an issue. And so we, and even ChatGPT has a concern about that. Tony, what's your thoughts on the privacy aspect? Yeah, well, when you say, when you say uh, an AI is trained on all of the internet and all of social media, that's pretty broad. And I don't think there's anybody that's consented to that happening. So I think it's, it's definitely has the ability, especially since we, again, we don't really know exactly how it's, it's using the information in the algorithm to put information out there that could be inadvertently not only breaching somebody's, you know, privacy rights, but also it's taking content that people have created and now use reorganized in a way that is responding to questions that could potentially be an intellectual property violation, especially if people are using generative AI in their business models and produce, taking those results and, and selling them somehow or putting them out there for public consumption some way as if they did it themselves. So I definitely think like these broader issues of how the information is gathered and the rights of the people that the information is gathered from. Because again, it's not creating anything. Let's like, let's make it clear. Like it doesn't create anything. It's not like a thinking thing, like human beings that are going to just create things through our mind. It's just taking information that's out there and providing an, you know, analyzing it really fast and giving you uh, an answer based upon its algorithm. But it's not creating everything it's giving you is based on something, somebody, something else, somebody else has already done in some fashion. So as an example, you know, I know we were talking about chat GPT a lot because that's what's on the news everywhere. But actually, there are generative AI applications for all kinds of the stuff already. For example, you can go to one of the applications on the web and you can ask for all kinds of pictures, right? And, the, and, and you can literally write a script in there and then it will generate a bunch of pictures for your videos and you can put it together. It puts it together for you. The problem with that is, like Tony's saying, it's not that the generative AI application just go and and start drawing pictures for you. It's putting together all sorts of pictures out there on the web um, together, right? Somebody's ears, somebody's nose, somebody's eyes, whatever, without asking those creator, original creators consent. And they kind of put it all together and give it to whoever is using it and asking for it. And I think the pros and cons, the problem, the biggest problem that we're trying to point out here is nobody knows what is eating, right? If we're looking at this as an animal, we don't know what is eating, what is being fed to it. And we don't know how it's digesting the information either. Those are the two things that's the most important to determine how the result is going to come out. And everybody's just waiting on the other side for the result and go like, well, we don't know the result going to come out because nobody knows how the information being fed and, and what information being fed. And then how's the generative AI going to evaluate? They know the parameters. A lot of people put in tons of parameters in this little system to give it some guidelines. But then just like chemistry, right? You put a bunch of chemical ingredients in it 
um, as a scientific approach, you're supposed to predate one chemical at a time and then add on to it and see what effect is. This is a reverse. We just dump a bunch of chemicals in a, you know, in a bottle and shakes it up and see what happens. And really that's what, um, that's the concern, I think. So in summary, thanks, Geneva. Uh, in summary, what chat GPT says about it is, is that it can be a valuable tool, but you have to be very careful when using it and you have to also apply your own critical thinking. And it that is difficult to do when it's all shaken up in there and you're not sure what is all in there and you're looking at something and you may not be seeing everything. And so you do have to be careful about how you use it. And I think that's where we are right now. So what's the future? So I think I do think it's important to kind of take a step back and realize that ChatGPT and 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 the other generative ads have been, you know, from Google and Microsoft, these are like beta testing. OpenAI like released ChatGPT to the public for it to use. Um, when you use it, there's a bunch of disclaimers in the front end. I mean, whether those are effective in actually modulating people's behavior, I'm not sure. But I do think that. I mean, although all the things we talked about are huge risks in that we have to analyze and figure out how to deal with, I do think in the end, this technology is, it's going to be society changing because this is going to be the future. It's out there. It's going to be tweaked. It's going to be processed. That's why they want people to use it so they can see what the unintended consequences are, you know, how they deal with, if you ask ChatGP to do something, you know, help you do something dangerous or criminal, how are they going to be able to, you know, move you away from that and how to deal with this. So I I do think that this has the potential because I think from what I've read, it surprised them how effective it is. And when you use it, you can see how psychologically it really resonates and, it, and it, it talks to you in a way that makes it makes you think like it is a person in a way. You kind of forget a second that it's it's just a computer analyzing data on the Internet and it's giving you an answer. Because I also think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's what we want. Like Genevieve said, you want we all want the shortcut. We all want the easy way to kind of analyze the data. So I do think that the big promise is that this kind of this technology does kind of give you that feeling that it's good to use. Now it's now it's figuring out how we as a society and civilization learn how to use it, right? And think critically and not just take whatever it says for, for you know, as the truth. You know, computers are not going to be the best arbiters of the truth. We have to, as a society, understand like how we are going to use tools like this. And we've already seen it with social media like in fake news and people putting fake information out there. You know, one thing ChatGPT and Generative AI is going to be able to do is going to help people create fake news, right? Because it's going to be able to help people have a way to create more believable fake news in a way, because it's going to understand a lot more about what the underpinnings of what people would believe. So although it has a lot of risk, there's also a lot of opportunity. And I think as people use it, we're just going to continue to have these conversations. It's just starting. I mean, ChatGPT is this like in the last year it was released and look at how much um, you know, attention it's garnered. So I do think it has a lot of potential, but we also have to be careful to make sure we use it in the right way. And I think specifically to legal services, what's the future of ChatGPT? I think that um, it's not just ChatGPT generated AI. It is a must. It's going to happen. The reason being, if you think about what lawyers do, the most important thing is knowledge and information. 
right? That is what part of what lawyers do. But from a lot of business owners and individuals in their mind, that's all lawyers do is providing knowledge and information. And that is exactly what chat GPT alike, like generative AI, they do. They can do a million times faster to gather information and knowledge-based um, data out there and provide, um, spit out a summary a lot faster than any lawyers can do. So that piece of it is definitely going to move forward. And however, how to move forward, I think it's important that the legal industry have to understand and have some ideas of how to use this as a good tool for clients, right? And for lawyers in order to bring it to the right path. Otherwise, we'll be dictated by um, an unknown black box that we have no idea is it right? Is it wrong? And in the legal world, there are some right and wrong answers um, that lawyers need to take responsibility of how to move forward. At Sejura, what we are doing right now is is an extensive case study. So basically, we go on generative AI. um, We are testing it out totally in terms of different legal questions, how it's going to answer, and we don't have a lawyer analyze it. So um, eventually we're going to produce uh, results of our case study. So stay tuned for that. So because we're looking at it from the standpoint of at Sujura, we thought we should share with you five tips on how to use AI for legal information. So Junev, do you want to kick that off? Sure. And I want to make it clear it's like not uh, forever, right? This is just in the interim. And, and with any kind of technology, it evolves on a daily basis. Um, so how we tackle that or react to that technology as a human being, we need to be proactive and, and, and change our strategies and tips. So the five tips is really about at this stage of generative AI, that providing legal information as a user, um, what you should think about. Um, and it's open for discussion. It's just my uh, you know, suggestion here. Number one, really think about it is everybody's just really afraid of this, but it's like, oh, we're afraid of it, but we're using it. It, it, The answer should not be, we're not using it at all because we're afraid of one day AI is going to replace us. There's a way we can use technology so it doesn't replace us, right? So when we use generative AI for legal information, we need to think about every time we use it, don't let generative AI replace you. And that means you need to be proactive at every single step. You're asking a question. You need to analyze the answers. So, I mean, Tony and Phyllis, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think the other thing about it is you have to be very cautious as you're asking the questions. So when you're saying don't let it replace you, I think, and you're being proactive, you're, you have to understand as every question that you're posing uh, to be really thinking as you're doing that, because how else is this really going to be helping you unless you really express it in the context of how you need it as well. So you have to think. Um, the second tip is really thinking about it, you know, when you should use generative AI, right? One of the things a lot of people are doing now is curiosity, just to see what it does. Let's say you, le- you need a legal information. Um, then when 
do you use a general AI versus call lawyer? One of the arguments a lot of people said, well, general AI, like a chat GPT is a great basic starting point to understand an area of law. Like for example, um, you want to understand identification. What does it even mean? You see this word and maybe a contrast somebody sent you. Um, so then you go on generate AI and go, like, what's the identification? So at least it gives you some idea of the basic information. What do you think about that, Tony? Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. I think ultimately, I think this, uh, these, you know, generalize and empower clients to kind of take more control over what their understanding is of the legal process and to get information. I think people view kind of the legal service industry is a closed system where lawyers have this magical formula to understand, you know, the legal concepts. And I do think, you know, Googling it and going through a bunch of articles on identification, most people won't do that. But I think if you can just ask like a generative AI, what, what isn't that? And they give you a simple answer to give you kind of like a starting point of, of an understanding. I think then it's, I think that is going to empower clients. And then, they can then take that information and have that understanding and ask their lawyer questions. I do think it's like an interactive approach, right? There's not a one size, you know, talking about like going back to one, it's not just replacing, you know, what humans think. It's just enhancing what we think because now we can have a, an ability to get more information, you know, and, and to better inform our thinking of what, what the answers should be. So I do think that this is going to be a very helpful tool for a client. I think clients now are looking at it like, well, I don't like to pay my lawyer. So I just want ChatGPT to tell me what the answer is and I can just go on. I don't think it's simple as that. I think it's going to be, you know, using it to maybe use your lawyer way more effectively because you'll have more information and to ask them to confirm maybe what your understanding is. And then you can have a better dialogue with your lawyer and get better legal services in the end. Um, what about the third tip? Phyllis? Well, I think Tony sort of started to talk about that, not that don't believe everything that AI tells you. And I think that's a, a really good place for everybody to just sit there, especially when it comes to legal information, because law is very complicated. And so there's a, our thought in my mind is if, if, AI explains a topic for you in a paragraph. You just have to make sure you understand that you're just getting very high level information um, back from, from the AI. And that information may not be completely correct. In some of the testing that we've done, Genev, as you know, we took a look and see what was produced back. And we looked at it and went, well, that's really simplistic, but it's really not going to help my client. You know, if my client went on there and took that contract uh, that for a very simplified contract that was on there for their much more complicated scenario for their business, that would not be a very good contract for that client. So that would be my very, my, my big concern there. So I want to make sure clients don't believe everything and they have to verify with other sources, whether that's doing a little bit more investigation on their own or for contacting their lawyer to talk through something uh, that they might say there. And, you know, that kind of go to the next tip, which is if you are going to just copy and paste something from a chat GPO generative AI, just know that you are taking risk, right? And you're taking unknown risk because that's what lawyers do. Lawyers is trying to um, formulate any kind of agreement, any kind of strategy for you is to mitigate your risk. 
And it's not that lawyers just spending hours doing nothing and just put something together doesn't mean anything. Lawyers may be not good at explaining it to their clients, but what they are actually doing is to help their clients to mitigate the risk level. And and as a person that didn't go to law school, didn't have the experience, right? It's hard for um, a, a person by themselves to be able to say, what's my risk level by taking this contract? And I can tell you, even for a very experienced attorney, generating like a simple you know, purchase and sell agreement from chat GPT. And if we ask, which we are going to ask lawyers, like what are the risks by using this? It's it's huge amount of information that the lawyers have to go through to analyze all the risks that just by copy and paste, anything generated by a generative AI. So the last tip really, you know, um, I'm sure you're expecting this to happen is talk to your lawyer. <laughs> you know, it's, it's fine. Um, and we are a technology company. Um, we're never going to use, we tell people don't use technology. You should use technology, but just think that technology is a tool. It should be just a tool, just no different than, you know, your other tools for your business, right? And you need to understand the tools and pros and cons and how that too going to intertwine with your daily operation of your business and how is that going to work with people that on your team or people that you hired and the lawyers. You know what? Hold your lawyers accountable and ask them and said, what are you going to do with generative AI and what do you think about it? And I want it to be more efficient in the process. So I want to know how you're going to use it um, in in combo with your service to make this more efficient for me. Um, hold them accountable, and they should. Which leads us to the next episode again. Uh, stay tuned because we are going to really explore it from the legal service and lawyers perspective about this generative AI. Um, it'll be it'll be a lot of fun, right, guys? Thanks, Tony, for joining us this episode. We really appreciate it. And we look forward to seeing you next time on Sujura Decoding Law. Thank you for listening to Sujura Decoding Law today. Next week, we will be discussing this topic from lawyers' perspective. You're welcome to join us, even if you're not lawyers. At Sijura, we are reimagining legal services with innovative technology and processes. Visit us at sijuragroup.com. If you know anyone that wants to know how to use legal services to their advantage, please forward our podcast to them. See you next time.